This is the podcast for the journal Neuropsychopharmacology. I'm Cynthia Graber. While the influence of sweet taste on neurocognitive function has been widely studied, umami or savory has received less of a research focus. Animal models and even some small human studies seem to show that umami given in a broth before a meal can influence appetite and food intake. And this inspired Miguel Alonso Alonso, assistant professor and director of the Laboratory of Bariatric and Nutrition Science at Beth Israel Deaconess Medical Center and Harvard Medical School. He and his colleagues decided to test the influence of glutamate on behavior and food choice, as well as the neurocognitive mechanisms that might be affecting such behavioral changes. He said the animal models point to glutamate sensing in the stomach. So there is a, a selective pathway that actually goes through the vagus nerve and, and actually uh, you know, affects the brain. And there's some sort of explorative neuroimaging studies in animals. You know, but these studies were pointing to the possibility that glutamate intake being sensed in the stomach, and there are actually uh, taste receptors, you know, not only in the oral cavity, but also in the stomach, that have the capacity to sense glutamate. And we know that the ascending pathways to the vagus nerve have the capacity to uh, affect brainstem uh, mechanisms, particularly neurotransmitter systems such as noradrenaline, and, and that is critically involved in executive functions, attention, etc. The team recruited 30 women. They measured their propensity to overeat by looking at BMI and also by using a questionnaire. The subjects took part in a number of tests. In one, they took computer tests that measure control and self-regulation. In another, they could feed themselves at a buffet and their eyes were tracked to understand more of the cognitive function. In a third, some received an fMRI scan while participating in a food choice paradigm. They took these either after consuming a normal chicken broth or consuming one enriched with glutamate. Dr. Alonzo, let's tease apart the results. What was the effect of glutamate on the computer tasks? So subjects had a more reduction in a very critical parameter of the task that is measured computer control. It's called the stop signal reaction time, which is the sort of the amount that it takes for the subject to stop an ongoing response. But basically, subjects after intake of the broth supplemented with MSD, they were faster in inhibiting responses. We also found an association with BMI. Actually, after intake of the MSD uh, broth, subjects with higher BMI, uh, they tend to have uh, faster inhibition. So there was a sort of, a, if you will, a more prominent effect the higher the BMI of the subject, as we you know, hypothesized. And that goes in line with previous literature showing a more uh, beneficial effect for women with propensity to overeat. This pattern of improvement is consistent with a potential effect in uh, the neuroadrenergic system because previous studies using uh, you know, uh, medications that target these neurotransmitter systems have shown these similar improvements. Okay, so there seemed to be an improvement in regulation, concentration, and disinhibition after the MSG broth, particularly for subjects with a higher BMI. Next, half the subjects underwent an fMRI scan. What did that show? So what we did in this uh, brain scan session, so we replicated um, fMRI food choice paradigm that was published several years ago, and it has been used in multiple other studies. And basically, it involves studies undergo um, different rounds in which they have to evaluate pictures of food on the basis of taste, on the basis of health, and then they have to make a food choice. So when we look at the brain activation, when subjects were exerting or making decisions in dispersed of foods, so we found that was after intake of the broth supplemented with MSD, there was an increase in the in the region, uh, specifically in the region that uh, this past uh, research has shown to be associated with successful self-regulation during food choice. So we saw an increase in the engagement of this region during food choice after intake of broth with MSG. So the fMRI scans also seem to show increased self-regulation and the buffet. Did the broth affect their food consumption at the buffet? 
So we didn't find any significant effect in terms of the consumption, in terms of calorie content or the distribution of macronutrients. The only thing that we found that actually was compatible with our hypothesis is that there was a selective reduction in saturated fat intake after the broth supplemented with MSD in studies with, uh, with high disinhibition. It's interesting that you found a neurocognitive effect, but that this didn't translate into actual behavioral change. Yeah, that's actually true. So the effects that we found, they were more uh, in the brain and cognitive realm rather than in the behavioral realm. So we found subtle changes, but they go in the direction of a benefit that we haven't seen them uh, translated into real behavioral differences or calorie difference, etc. But perhaps the dose was not you know, strong enough or, or the time of the intervention was not strong enough to translate into a meaningful behavioral effects or the effects on food intake. And I think it's one of the, you could say, one of the weaknesses of, of our study is that. I think this is just a, a small preliminary study is good. But what we want to do in the future is to try an intervention that is more, uh, you study more this in the long run. In this study, we only look at acute effects. Uh, so we don't know what, what can happen uh, after multiple sessions or after an intervention that involves uh, exposure for multiple days, etc. One other thing I thought was interesting from a neurocognitive standpoint is that MSG acts on a different part of the brain than sugar, which acts on reward. This is a different connection or a neurocognitive function, correct? Yeah, this is true. I think that's something very important. So, so there's been animal studies actually involved where either Glutamate or glucose was infused in the stomach, and there were changes with using fMRI, so a functional brain imaging technique in rodents, with all the complexity uh, around that. But actually, you know, looking at the data shows that uh, intake of MSD does not activate areas of uh, the brain that are primarily involved in rewards. So there seems to be dissociated pathways for different tastes. And uh, different, you know, different substances that I think we have to study more in detail. The literature on on umami and the brain in humans is very limited. It's only limited to taste, obviously because of experimental constraints that we cannot infuse <laughs> that easily the substances in the stomach of studies to tr- to try to avoid the confounding effect of taste. But I think you know there is evidence that there seems to be a dissociation in the way these substances or taste are processed in the brain, and I think this this points to uh, potential uh, effects on health and, 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 you know, that deserve to be studied more in detail. Let's take it a few steps ahead, if these findings hold, and if you can find ways that may be increasing the dose of umami, changing the timing, if this has a real behavioral impact. How do you imagine such a scenario might play out in the real world? A lot of umami-rich foods are steak, eggs, things that are also highly caloric, too. So how do you imagine this might end up playing out to allow people to use neurocognitive function to assist in weight control? So obviously we have, you know, the external validity of our findings. So so basically we have done uh, experiments that are, you know, that are under very controlled conditions and very narrow scenarios, etc. So in the real world, we don't know how all this plays out. But what I would like to point out is that I think it, it will bring more awareness and, and more interest to research. There's been a lot of work actually being done in terms of overstudying other tastes at sweetness and actually the role of sugar. But I think umami and also the link of glutamine, there's also a lot of very good literature linking glutamate as a potential sensing mechanism for protein, and we know that protein is associated with more decreased appetite. And so I hope our study will inspire other more research along those lines. But there's also another important thing I want to bring up is that, uh, uh, you know, traveling around the world, this is observational 
but there are parts of the world where there is a tradition of of starting a meal with a broth, a savory broth, and actually that's what we tasted here, which is something that actually does not relate to the way the majority of us here in the U.S. eat. We, we hardly ever start the meal with a, uh, with a broth. But in, in other parts of the world, particularly in, in Asia, where uh, there's a very good index of health or longevity in you know, places like Japan or South Korea, and there's you know traditional meals many times are, are, are you know, emphasized, obviously, the, the savory side. There's a lot of umami emphasis in the food. Uh, there's more exposure and preference to umami that here in the U.S. So this is observational, but I think, you know, it could be related to some of the findings that we have obtained. But, I mean, this opens up a lot of questions, but I think it's something that uh, deserves future studies. This is the podcast for the journal Neuropsychopharmacology. To read the research paper discussed in this podcast, go to www.nature.com NPP. I'm Cynthia Graber.